Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful, spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. There are so many facets of the feminine and faces of the goddess. Listen for the 13 key aspects of feminine energy and how these have helped so many women in life and love. This episode is an invitation to a deep understanding of your feminine energy, but... I do have to warn you, listeners, feminine energy is not really something you can understand with the mind. It has to be felt, known, and explored, and enjoyed. So there's only so much that our rational mind can grasp. And sometimes even this need to know or this need to understand can be an obstacle to the feminine path. But at the same time, I know a lot of you are curious about what is feminine energy? How can I have more feminine energy? How does my feminine influence the partner that I attract? And how does that influence our relationship going forward? So before we dive in, right now I invite you to find whatever feels pleasurable in your body. Oh, that might be the skin on the back of the neck where your hair is gently brushing your skin. Or that might be the feel of a breeze across your cheek or the taste of coffee in your mouth. Or it might be just an ache, a delicious ache in your heart. Now, if you're driving, (laughs) you can still find the pleasure, but but be uh, mindful. And I just want you to breathe into the space that feels pleasurable. So imagine inviting your breath to go into the place that you feel the most pleasure right now. Mm, As if breath by breath, you can expand that sense of pleasure. You might feel it radiating out or rippling out or expanding out. And as you give your loving attention to that space, you might feel the desire to move. Maybe you want to stretch or gently stroke your shoulders or take a few exhales out the mouth. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. Now, that's a little a little tidbit for how to find your pleasure and how to find your feminine energy really at any point. So you can always pause this podcast episode and come back to finding your pleasure uh, throughout this episode, throughout your day, throughout a date, throughout, you know, making dinner with your partner. And when we're finding our pleasure, we're expanding on what already feels good. And this is so different than in society when we focus on what's not working. So being in the feminine is accepting and allowing what is and finding ways for what is to feel good. And then if nothing does feel good, you know, we have the opportunity to move or dance or shake or, or dive deeper into the sensation that's coming up. So even something like pain may not initially feel in quotations good, but there there is a delicious ache to it when we can dive into that sensation and when we can feel maybe the emotion behind it, like sorrow or grief or anger. You know, emotion is one of the keys to our feminine body as well as pleasure. And we'll be going through those 13 keys later in this episode. So every time we find our raw emotion, every time we find a connection with our body, every time we breathe into our pleasure or expand our pleasure, it brings us back into the moment and helps us become even more alive and even more embodied. And that's exactly what the world needs more of is not us stuck on our smartphones, although that's great too. Uh, It's being in our body and being fully alive so we can be present with our partner, with our date, with our children. So may your mind be held by your heart and may your heart be held by your body and may your body be held by mama earth. So you're allowing yourself to both hold, hold yourself, but also be held as we go together on this journey. So I want to start off today by sharing what inspired me, why I care so much about feminine energy. And it's a little backstory about a part of my life you you may not have heard of. A lot of you have heard about, you know, my struggles with dating or my divorce or, you know, me attracting narcissists or getting ghosted or breadcrumbed or all those things that, that too many times we go through as women, even powerful, successful women 
when we're looking for a partner. And I'm so passionate about helping women find their partner and create a great, passionate love story. But there's also a part of my story that's more directly about feminine energy that I really want to share. And it's a little bit embarrassing, but that's okay. I'm going to go there. (laughs) So what happened was I was living in New York City, gosh, about 10 or 11 years ago. And it was early evening. It was in August. It was humid. If you've ever been in New York in the summer, it gets really humid. It gets really hot. It was like later in the evening, I would want to say maybe like seven, you know, kind of the sun was starting to go down, but it was still really hot and humid. And I was walking from where I worked on Park Avenue to where I lived in Columbus Circle. I was a consultant working for a big management consulting firm. And luckily I'd gotten off what was early, you know, normally I would be working until nine or 10, but I was off at like 7 PM. And so I was walking and walking through the park or or actually to the South side, you know, of the park. And the park was of course packed with tourists. Like everywhere was full of tourists. You could smell the horses from the carriages. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) If you've been there and I could hear people laughing and I could hear people saying, Oh, let's take a picture. This was before selfies. Uh, and this really brought out the worst of me, honestly, I, I was waiting to cross a crowd of the park, you know, to, to get over across central park West to get to my apartment. But I was stuck behind these two ladies who appeared in their, in their appearance to be, um, you know, not from New York. (laughs) They were pointing at various buildings across the skyline. They were asking each other's questions, you know, the light had turned and tons of people were, were starting to go across the crosswalk, but I was stuck behind these two women and I felt this fire in my belly and it was like an overload of stress in my system. It wasn't just, of course, these two women, but I felt this unbearable desire to move forward. It was like, I could not wait any longer for these tourists. Now, of course, I was stressed out from my job. I was doing management consulting cases for a private equity case, and there was a lot going on, you know, valuations and all this other stuff that we had to do related to the brand that we were working for. And I just, my impatience got the best of me, but I literally moved my left arm out to one of the ladies in front of me, her left arm, which was stretched out. And I literally pushed her arm down, pushed her arm down so I could walk past them to the side. And I was just so annoyed. But then I got to my apartment about a block later and I just totally cried. I was like, what the hell just happened? I had literally just like pushed a stranger's arm down in order to save a few seconds of my precious time. Like I had never really acted in a way that felt that aggressive. Now, by New York standards, maybe that's not that aggressive, but by my standards, my connection to my heart, my feeling and desire of how I want to be in the world, I was just like a total diva moment and, and just showed how out of touch I was with myself, with other women in the world, with my heart. And that was really during the lowest point of my life. So yeah, I had this glamorous job working for this really cool company in one of the best cities in the world. And I had worked really hard to get that job, but inside it was feeling devastated. You know, I was working 12 to 16 hour days. Oftentimes I was working on the weekends when I would get a day off, it'd be like on a random Tuesday. And that's not like I had people that I could spend my time with then because they were all working. And then I had just gone through a divorce. Our divorce was final, my ex-husband and mine in June of that year. And I just felt like such a two-faced person. And on one hand, I was leading this glamorous lifestyle, but on the other hand, you know, I was lonely. I was obsessive about my weight and my bank balance. I drink too much. I ate too much. Like I just was not congruent with what felt good for me. I didn't even know what pleasure was in my body. And I also didn't even know what it meant to trust myself. It wasn't even until about a year later when I was on a coaching call with my coach at the time that she said, what is, you know, what does it mean for you to trust yourself? And I was like, what do you mean? Trust myself. I don't, I don't know how to trust myself. What, what, how would I even trust myself? So I was so lost and I had worked really hard to get this job and had built it up in my mind and in my ego that like, Oh, I'm a consultant in New York city and blah, blah, blah. But it didn't matter if I was miserable. Now, of course, when I was in this really low point in general that summer, but also, um, specifically when I moved that woman's arm, you know, 
I just was just trying to do the typical things. I was working out and I was working harder. I was focused more on trying to be perfect and fit in. You know, I read some books, but it wasn't really doing anything to change. Like maybe you can relate. There's those points in our life where we're at our lowest point and we know we need to change, but we haven't quite taken action. We're still kind of wallowing in our suffering and we're doing band-aids. Band-aids are like reading a book or reading a blog or watching a video, but not actually taking action to change. So I did leave New York City and my next next job was in Toronto at a nonprofit and that was much more heart-centered work and it was at a slower pace, but I still felt off. Like I wasn't in my purpose. I wasn't in my true power. I had been taking jobs and doing things that were aligned with what I thought I should do or what would look good versus what I really wanted to do. And I was just living kind of a shell of a life. And I was oftentimes dating and looking for men to make me feel better, which is always a bad move. <laughs> you know, we have to be able to feel good within ourselves before we even can, can consider coming to partnership. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but we need to be able to um, care for ourselves and find our pleasure and be in our feminine energy to create a sustainable relationship. Otherwise, if we're just looking for the other person to make us feel better all the time, that's going to be codependent really quick and, and not really lead to anything sustainable. So I believe a lot of people reach this point, you know, they used to say it's like a quarter life crisis and how it feels like, or it used to say it's a midlife crisis, you know, now it feels like it's a quarter life crisis, but it can happen at any point in your life where literally it feels like the the wheels are falling off. Like the engine has been running and it's been running fine, but then all of a sudden everything breaks down and you're like, what the heck? And everything feels stale and flat. And we're getting all of our hits of adrenaline based on external measures instead of internal satisfaction. And a lot of times people respond to these lows, these low points in life in very volatile ways, or they can respond in deeply nourishing and inspiring ways. But I, I didn't always choose that. You know, I sometimes chose to be volatile or to, you know, pack up and leave a city or to change a relationship or, you know, to do something to numb out. But it often doesn't work out that way, right? Like if we're not doing the inner work to change, then it doesn't matter how much we change our partner or environment. Like we thrive through our crises by focusing on our internal, which oftentimes means focusing on our inner feminine. You know, she's the antidote culturally and within each of us for overwork and stress and poor lifestyle choices and damaged relationships and all these other symptoms of our fractured and highly masculinized culture. So instead of upgrading our lives by pushing harder and purchasing more, you know, we, we upgrade our lives by balancing them and filling them with love and by surrendering to our two true desires and staying devoted to ourselves instead of looking to make others happy, you know, overgiving or to substances to make us happy, to numb out or to distance ourselves from ourselves. So it took me a long time to actually realize all of this for myself. I wish I would have said that I had this Nirvana light bulb moment and then everything was amazing, but it took me seven years to really create a life of passion and purpose and pleasure. And I learned through many indirect ways, the path of the feminine. I took yoga classes and became a yoga teacher. I did Reiki trainings, became a Reiki master. I did somatic therapy. I did Taoist healing practices for trauma. I did tantric feminine energy practices. I did women's retreats and workshops. And, you know, my life offering has been to distill what I learned in all those trials and errors, plus all of my failed relationships and horrific dating experiences along the way into a path that really works quickly and effectively for love and abundance and creativity and fertility of a lot of clients who are now having babies because they met their partner through the work that they did with me or they're writing children's books or launching film projects because of finding their feminine through the work that we've done together or they're reaching new levels of abundance you know getting more clients having bigger bonuses at work crushing their sales goals because they're finally in their feminine energy and they're doing it from a different place than the push 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 masculine energy so this is really the path of the divine feminine. It's a path to our body, our heart, and to our life partner. And it's naturally fertile and rich and blessed. Because the feminine really is the goddess of the harvest and the goddess of receiving and the goddess of creating life. So I recreated my life from the inside out. I know that you can too if you want to. Maybe you're in that process right now and looking for that next step. You know, I found that when I was following my feminine, I was actually in the best shape of my life, but I wasn't dieting or over-exercising. I had the best job of my life, and I still do, you know, teaching and mentoring other women in life and love. 
I healed from my sexual trauma. I attracted my incredible husband and we're now pregnant with our baby girl. And I built a half a million dollar business with a much better lifestyle than when I was a consultant. Yes, I still work hard for my clients, but it's night and day compared to what I was doing when I was working in New York. And I still get to travel all the time internationally. You know, just in the last few years, I've gone to Paris and Portugal and Egypt and India and Thailand and a bunch of really amazing places. So I have a lot of freedom. And that's because I had the courage, and you do too, to stop going after the external rewards that society tells us we should have, you know, basically working harder or or leaning in and really finding the path of the feminine. And things are so much more enjoyable, pleasurable, and full of love when we do that. So you absolutely can do this too. You know, I'm just going to break down what that was like for me and, and what that's like for my clients and why feminine energy is so important. So what is feminine energy? You know, there's many facets of the feminine, or you could call it faces of the goddess because the feminine is always changing. The feminine is everything that changes energy and cycles and nature. And the masculine is everything that doesn't change. You can consider that to be stillness or emptiness or pure consciousness or the cosmos. Obviously, the cosmos are changing too, but it's a little different than like watching a flower bloom and three days later, it's losing all of its petals. The pace of change tends to be um, much different. So it doesn't mean that the feminine energy is never still because there is this deep, deep aspect of the feminine and a Taoist tradition. And in some of my teaching teachers teachings, you know, there's this quality called mother deep. And it's like this very deep aspect of the feminine that's totally unwavering in her nurturing love. And it also isn't to say that the masculine is never active, like just because masculine encompasses stillness and emptiness, it doesn't mean that it's not taking action. I mean, there's a dynamic and powerful aspect of the masculine, which is very directional and very focused. But in general, you know, you can think of feminine energy as change and flow and masculine energy as stability and space. Now, for those of you listening that are like, well, yeah, but I have all of that. I am all that. I hear you. (laughs) You know, we all have masculine and feminine energy in us, regardless of our gender identification, regardless of our sexual orientation. You know, I've worked with people who are female and lesbian, people who are male and heterosexual, people who are trans, everything in between. And the still desire, the desire that still resides within them is to connect with their feminine energy. You know, none of us can be disconnected from our feminine and have an effective life and a joyful life. We all need to be more connected to our feminine, masculine and feminine energy within us. And so I have a lot of masculine energy myself, obviously, like I studied chemical engineering in undergrad, I think in systems and patterns. And uh, I just, yeah, I know what it's like to, to go for things. You know, I, I did Vipassana style meditation for a long time, which is a very masculine practice. Now, I don't practice that anymore. Uh, and I don't push myself like I used to anymore. But I still rely on my masculine energy throughout my day and throughout my life. And, and that's beautiful. And I want that for you too. But because we've been in more of a vacuum and not having feminine energy in our society and in our lives, my focus now is on helping people to find their feminine and to integrate it with their masculine energy. So, you know, it isn't about being like more feminine or less feminine or about the labels that we give ourselves. It's about balancing those energies so we can have the most authentic expression of who we are in the moment not reacting from our trauma, not reacting from our societal conditioning, but the authentic expression of who we really are in service to love, in service to something greater than ourselves, which I think is what we're all really looking for. And you might also be thinking like, well, I'm spiritual and I've evolved beyond having a gender. (laughs) And I used to think that too. I mean, some of my deepest meditation experiences I remember realizing, A, I don't even exist, and B, I don't really have a gender. Like, this is just a body, and this body has certain genitalia, and I guess that that, you know, biologically makes me a certain gender. But I've definitely had many experiences where I was beyond gender. And so I totally hear you that, you know, there is no separation. We're all just one. But we do still live in a world of polarity, right? And you hear all about the law of attraction and you are, everything's a mirror and you get what you are and like attracts like. 
That's true, but you know what's also true is the law of polarity, that opposites attract. I mean, we have magnetism as a principle for a reason. We do live in a world of polarity, of opposites and duality and contrast. And so we can't just pretend that that doesn't exist, just like we wouldn't pretend that gravity doesn't exist. You know, we we need to know about the forces shaping our life, or at least many people I find are curious about those and, and appreciating them versus pretending it's not there and then losing its power. You know, it's, it's not that you can't obviously transcend your gender or the polarity of masculine and feminine, but there's a lot of juice there if you dive into these different energies. And even this idea of like ascending and transcending our gender is, is a masculine ideal. You know, the masculine ideal is about emptiness and transcending and letting go of the body and finding these austere practices. But you can still have the richness of life. You can still enjoy your five senses and that path of, I'll say, dissension. It's not really dissension like you're going down into something negative, but it's bringing yourself back into your body, enjoying the body, enjoying the five senses and going from you know the upper chakras into the lower chakras. I think most of the people that have experienced spiritual bypassing or maybe are still spiritually bypassing, which means everything is love and light and you never come in contact with your shadow or your anger or, you know, um, you forgive everyone and have blind compassion. That may work for a while, or that may work if you live in a monastery and you never have to confront the outside world. But for most humans, we need both. We need both our masculine and our feminine. We need both this current of ascension and the current of descension, really integrating and being with our lower chakras and with all the messiness and all the exquisite beauty of being a human. So if you're listening to this and you're not really thriving in your life or in your love life, or you're just not living at the fullness that you want, then you will benefit from tapping more into your feminine, no matter how evolved you are. In my mind, if you're super evolved in quotation marks, but you don't have love and you're not in relationship, there's so much more. Oh, there's so much more <laughs> that you could be experiencing, um, not just in the physical intimacy aspect, but in all parts of your life, you know, we're not living in a time, I don't believe anymore, where the world is going to wake up by all of us retreating like a hermit into a cave. We're going to wake up by healing ourselves and healing each other and coming into relationship and connection with each other. And that's why it's so important to cultivate our feminine energy now to find these parts of us that are wild and unpredictable and fluid and we need that because the masculine has really been leading most of our businesses and our structures. And even though there's many, well, more now, more women that are in leadership roles, many of them are still using a lot of masculine qualities to do what they need to do. And we have, you know, this incessant drive as a culture for more money and more power and more efficiency and more certainty. And that's not bad. That's okay. But we really need to balance it with feminine flow. You know, otherwise we're going to continue having breaking breakdowns in our relationship, breakdowns in our health, breakdowns in our environment. And if you look at the state of all of those things, our health, the environment, our relationships, you know, our lives are calling out for a different way of being that's much more sustainable. And as I was saying, integrated, which really means harnessing our feminine and integrating our feminine and our masculine. So take a moment and just think about for yourself, you know, what is... What are some of your motivations for cultivating a feminine? Is it because you want to have more fun? Is it because you're at a turning point? Like I was at Central Park in, in Central Park, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Is it because you've lost touch with your children? Is it because you're lonely and you want a partner, even though everything on the outside looks good in your life, you, you go home alone? You know, is it because you have a big passion on your heart or a creative gift that you're longing to express and you don't fully feel seen? And what is it that you want to contribute? You know, this idea of contribution is a much more masculine ideal, but I think that feminine energy contributes so much as well. You know, what do you want to contribute in a feminine way to your family, to your community, to the world that you haven't been able to do by just pushing the envelope? And just as importantly, like, what is your soul longing for? Oh, like, we have this exquisite desire that's imprinted in us that's supposed to be there. You know, the Buddha says the root of all suffering is desire. And 
I think that's a very masculine perspective. I think the root of all suffering is denying our desires and ignoring our desires. And that leads to so much suppression. I mean, look at all of the, you know, abuse scandals in the Catholic Church and Me Too movement, because we're not healthily expressing our sexual energy. You know, we're not in touch with our desire. And desire is so much more than sex. But, but sex is a part of it. You know, desire can also be chocolate cake. Desire can be to feel the flow of blood in your body as you're doing a delicious dance. You know, it can be to lose yourself in, in the moment with a lover or with, you know, the beauty surrounding you in a rose garden. So let's dive into these juicy, yummy aspects of feminine energy. This is something I cover so much more deeply in my program, Queens of Pleasure, which is all about dating and love and relationships, as well as my program, Fabulously Feminine, which is all about feeling fabulously feminine, all about manifesting in a feminine way for greater abundance, for attracting a high quality masculine partner, for having more enchantment and romance in your life, and for having more creativity as well. So these 13 facets of the feminine that I'm going to be sharing, I found to be the most key. Now, there are, again, so many facets of the feminine and so many different ways to describe it. But from working with hundreds of women, these are the ones that I've seen have made the biggest difference in their lives and their fulfillment and their love life and their ability to attract a great partner and in their abundance and their creativity, as I was mentioning. So the first one is the five senses. And again, this is the opposite of what the Buddha was saying about, you know, not, not being in touch with your desires. Like the five senses are a pathway to the divine. They really are. And there are different practices and different traditions and some practices and some traditions say, you know, the five senses are bad. Like I studied yoga and classical yoga sutras for a long time. And it was all about not being in touch with your senses, that your senses would lead to thinking and your thinking would lead to acting out and the acting out would lead to poor moral character. But I think we have more uh, responsibility and capability now than maybe we did ever before to not have to always follow the desire. Just because you're in touch with your desire or your five senses doesn't mean you're going to turn into, you know, someone who is reckless. It means you're going to turn into someone who's alive, right? Like, don't you want to feel more alive? So the five senses are obviously, what do you see? You know, what, what's around you right now? Again, if you're driving, <laughs> keep the eyes on the road. But if you're not driving, you know, what are the colors that you see? What are the shapes and the textures? And then what is it that you smell? Maybe an essential oil that you put on earlier, or maybe your perfume or cologne, or maybe the smell of your tea. Like smell is such a powerful, powerful connection to ourselves and our past and and what makes us feel alive. And obviously it, it also can tell us what doesn't taste good or what doesn't smell good, I should say, you know, like smell, smell connects us to our environment and being in our feminine means that we're connecting in a deep way to ourselves, to our environment, to our relationships and the other people in our life. And then of course, taste. I got to say, this is one of my favorites, <laughs> chocolate and ice cream and uh, red wine, which I can't have right now because I'm pregnant. <laughs> all of those, all of those delicious things. Mm. My mouth is literally watering just thinking about all of those all of those yummy, yummy tastes. Uh, I did have Oreo pancakes this morning, which were, which were pretty tasty, <laughs> pretty delicious. Uh, okay. And the other senses, obviously, what are you here? I, I feel like hearing and, and sound is one of the most vulnerable senses that we have, because if, if we see something we don't like, you know, we can turn around, we can close our eyes. If we are hearing something we don't like, other than putting your fingers in your ear <laughs> and closing off your ears, which is only mildly effective, like, yes, you can leave the situation, but sound travels. So yeah, I've been really tapping in lately to just all the layers of sound around me within my own body, the sound of my heart, you know, within my environment, within my house, when my dog barks. And it's amazing how sensitive I've become to sound. And when I was in India, that was actually one of the first things I noticed is all the layers of sound. I was at a retreat center doing Panchakarma and an Ayurvedic um, kind of experience on a, on a retreat with a wonderful Ayurvedic teacher named James Bailey. And we were down in the south area of India in Kerala at a beautiful center. 
And it was really interesting because I, I would hear at any given moment, you know, roosters and cows. And um, I believe there were dogs barking, although I could be off with that. But there were multiple, multiple animals. And I would also hear the sound of the waves sometimes when the waves were really strong because this was right by the beach. It was elevated kind of on the hill, but but the beach was below us. I would hear the sound of silverware tinkling and people's voices laughing and doors closing and the sound of the yoga teacher instructing us on our breath. And I would hear, you know, people kind of shouting in the street or the sound of a horn or wheels kind of on gravel and hear the person's breath next to me. I mean, oh, India is very multi, multi layered. You know, if you've ever been there, you know, like every single sense is heightened. Uh, all the five senses are just, whew. but especially the sound sound was just so present for me. And, and yeah, how vulnerable it is that we can't, can't necessarily spit it out or tune it out. And then of course the fifth sense of touch, you know, what do you feel on your skin? Uh, what sort of textures? Is it hot? Is it cool? Is it rough? I love, I love that, that sense as well. So that's the first facet of the feminine that I just wanted to share. Now we could do an entire podcast. We could do a whole entire flipping, flipping, fricking <laughs> course on each of these, but I, I just want to go through them to have a, a sense of, of this landscape of feminine facets that are so important. And so the next one is movement. You know, feminine is movement and that might look like the wind moving and the clouds moving through the sky, or it might look like you taking a deep breath and then letting that breath inform how your body wants to move. You know, if you were to take a deep breath right now, you might let out a sigh. You might realize that you want to stretch. You might open your heart or you might collapse your shoulders. You know, your body is moving in response to the environment, to your breath, to your desires. And so many women that I work with, when I ask them, you know, do you allow yourself to dance? Like, do you walk like you just had an orgasm or do you walk like you're on a mission? (laughs) Most of them say, I walk like I'm on a mission, not like I walk like I just had an orgasm. So if you allow yourself to move or to sway or to undulate or to be responsive to your environment, there's so much vitality in that. And that really draws the attention in a good way of the masculine. And when I talk about the attention or patterns of attraction, look, it's not to say that you need to just be receptive to everything that comes at you. Hell no, we need boundaries. We need our strong inner masculine. We need to be able to protect ourselves. uh, Even if we have a very protective and loving partner, you know, that's just the world we live in. We need to be able to dial our feminine energy down at times because it may not be safe, but why turn it all the way off when so much of your world is aching for this energy and, and needing and wanting this energy. And when it can draw so much more wealth and love and pleasure and beauty to you. So absolutely allowing yourself to move and to, to wiggle (laughs) people laugh. Sometimes I know my partner, Jason commented on it when we first started dating, I have this little wiggle that happens when I'm eating. You, you heard just a few seconds ago about how much I love the, the sense of taste. Um, but if I'm happy about the food I'm eating, it doesn't have to be decadent, although I do love chocolate. But even if it's just something like a fresh salad, like my, my body does this little wiggle. It's kind of like a, a five-year-old's little happy dance, kind of wiggling in my chair, combined with this little sensual undulation in my spine. It's, <laughs> it's hard to describe, but it's my happy dance. It's my wiggle. It's my happy food wiggle. So, you know, doing that brings me alive. I don't even do it consciously. It just moves through me. But there's so many moments where we could be having our own version of the happy wiggle <laughs> in response to our environment and, and bringing that level of satisfaction and joy to ourselves and to the people that are with us. You know, whenever I do that inadvertently, people laugh and isn't laughter good. Like wouldn't we want more people to enjoy themselves when they're around us. So the third uh, facet or aspect of the feminine that I want to share is pleasure, 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 pleasure. <laughs> uh, I have this podcast called the pleasure path because I feel so strongly uh, about this principle. I'm so devoted to this principle and I'm also devoted to changing the myth that pleasure is just about sex. Pleasure is about 
so much more than sex. Is sex pleasurable or can it be? Yeah, <laughs> obviously. And I hope you're having lots of pleasurable sex. And if you're not, then we should talk. But pleasure is also just about what to, what feels good in your body right now. You know, what is giving you pleasure right now? We did that. We did this at the very beginning of this episode, just doing a little inquiry into pleasure. But if you're in a situation, you know, waiting in line or in a crowded elevator and you're probably thinking, uh, yes, definitely feel your, uh, but find the pleasure in that too. Like the poutiness of it or the hot mess part of it, or the like, uh, just, that crackle of frustration and irritation, like some of that feels good, right? Like let there be pleasure in the moments, even when it doesn't explicitly feel like pleasure. And that's, that's a practice that takes practice, that takes skill, that takes attention, but it's so, so, so worth it (laughs) because then everything becomes a little more fun, a lot more fun. And so the fourth aspect of feminine energy that I just want to share is desire, or you could also call this longing. You know, I teach my clients about the difference between desire and longing, and we spend a whole chapter in my program, Queens of Pleasure, on desire and longing, and how important that is for creating a healthy relationship and attracting the right partner for us. Because a lot of us will just follow what attracts us, you know, oh, I find this person attractive. And we're seeking or we're kind of grasping based on something that's walking past us. Someone we find attractive or something that we're attracted to. And there's nothing wrong with that. But longing is so much deeper. (laughs) It's like a yearning. I mean, you can probably feel that in your own body. Like, and if you can't, I invite you to feel into, to me, it feels like the space in the back of my heart. It's like the back lower part of my heart. Oh, I can feel an ache there. I don't even know right now what I'm aching for. I would have to think about that a little bit more, but I can feel that ache, you know, for me right now in this moment, that ache, that yearning feels actually like yearning for something exotic. That's my yearning, my flavor of my yearning right now. Like, oh, like mm, Thai food on a beach with a pina colada. I know that's not Thai. I don't care if that's what my yearning is right now, (laughs) but the overall sense is like exotic, luxurious, sensual, hot, spicy. Mm. (laughs) I'm yearning for, you know, the desire is obviously the food and the taste, but I'm yearning for a sense of relaxed, exotic adventure. God, that sounds so good right now. Yeah. So, so what do you want? What do you want so badly that it aches? Is it to hold your baby? Is it to deeply surrender to the divine masculine? Is it to be seen for the fullness of who you are? Is it to feel sexy in your body? You know, what are you yearning for right now? What do you want so badly that it aches? And of course, what are the little desires that go along with that? You know, the pina colada, so to speak. But sometimes we get so focused on the desire, the pina colada or the chocolate cake, and we stuff down our yearnings. We're like, nope, I can't let anyone see how badly I want love. Guess what? Someone seeing how badly you want love is exactly what is going to bring love to you. (laughs) If you're walking around like, nope, I got it taken care of. You know what? I have desires. I get them met. I make it happen. I'm all good. Yeah, that's going to be really hard to attract a partner who wants to provide for you, even just provide for you energetically or emotionally, because you're not in touch with your longings. You're not in touch with this yearning, aching part of you. And I get that that's vulnerable, because typically the things that we yearn for are not immediate. They're not something we can do for ourselves right away. And they're also not something we can always do for ourselves. If it's something you can do for yourself, it's less of a longing in my experience. And it's more of just a deeper desire. But a longing is something that we can't get to by ourselves. We need someone to bring it out of us or to help us receive it. And and we have to be in touch with that on a, on a pretty regular basis. This need, this level of I need, I need, I need. <laughs> we get so used to as modern women, not needing And it really shuts us off. It shuts us off from the masculine and it shuts us off from our ability to receive. 
So the next aspect of the feminine, the fifth aspect, I'm not one for numbering things in order, but I'm going to try to do that for us today. Um, the one, two, three, four, five, the fifth aspect of our fabulously feminine exploration is emotion. And again, this is something that we have told ourselves is bad or wrong. You know, we even have this word ugly cry in our culture. We talk about the ugly cry. You know, I freaking hate that. I hate that term. I hate that word. I think there's nothing more beautiful than crying. I think there's nothing ugly about crying. I think crying is an act of surrender to the moment and the grief or the love or the joy or the surprise or whatever is flowing through our heart. And if we're shaming ourselves for crying, shaming ourselves for anger, you know, how many women have turned off their anger because they don't want to be labeled as crazy. And I'll talk to a woman for the first time and she'll be like, well, it's not like I'm one of those women who's crazy. You know, I'm really understanding. I'm like, oh, is that what you think the masculine wants? (laughs) It's like, we, we think that the masculine wants a woman who's patient and kind and understanding and sweet. Yeah, that's not true. (laughs) What would masculine energy appreciate that at some points? Of course. Of course they would want that, but there's about 55 other aspects of feminine energy or flavors of feminine energy or archetypes or expressions that they're also craving. So if you've put yourself into this little box of acceptable emotions and you don't have range emotionally, or you don't have the depth or your only depth comes in the form of compassion, that is so limiting. And again, not just in your partnership or your ability to be in partnership, but but in your life. You know, all great works of art are born from emotion. They're born from passion and from meaning. And, you know, oftentimes from injustice or rage. But if we're hiding our emotions or if we're, you know, talking ourselves out of them, like how many times have you felt the impulse of an emotion? Like, oh God, I feel pissed off. And then two seconds later, you're like but I really can appreciate where that person's coming from. You know, everyone's fighting a hard battle. It's okay. And you spiritually shame yourself out of feeling a totally natural, healthy emotion that would actually empower you to set better boundaries the next time or to respect yourself next time or to bring a different energy into the moment that would liberate so much more love. So this, this aspect, I can't stress enough. Uh, it's again, something I work a lot with, with my clients is developing that emotional range. And that's a big part of the fabulously feminine program as well is how do you allow yourself to have that range and feel safe in that range? You know, it's one thing for you to listen to this podcast and and be like, yeah, sure. Violet, of course. Yep. I'm going to feel my rage. (laughs) Tell me when I can do that. Like I I can hear the inner skeptic that might be talking (laughs) right now because I've got one too. We all have one, the inner skeptic. Um, so yeah, you have to feel safe doing it and that's why it's a practice. And that's why it takes having a mentor or someone to help you feel safe with those, um, those ranges of emotion. Now, the next aspect of femininity is all about creativity and collaboration. So the feminine creates without any effort. Like literally, if a woman is getting pregnant, she receives semen and then she creates a baby. She doesn't do anything active in that process. I mean, she can. <laughs> she can be having lots of fun and being very active in that process. But, but at the basic cellular level... It's just about receiving and then from that receiving, creating. So what magic are you creating? What are you nurturing in your life? This might be an idea. It might be an art project. It might be a relationship. It might be a new business. You know, there's so many ways that the world is asking for us to be creative and not just follow a routine or follow a structure. And also the world is asking us to collaborate. And it's a very feminine aspect, these creativity and collaboration that can happen when we create something from nothing. One of my clients was telling me that that's how she uh, expresses her feminine to be able to create something from nothing. And I freaking love that. Like, it's like when a woman whips up a delicious meal. I mean, I know that's an, a bit of an antiquated example. We don't live in the 1950s anymore. But still, when someone like whips up a delicious meal or takes a space that looks kind of shabby, and in a few minutes, it looks beautiful because of her creativity. It's a huge, huge gift to every around you. And that leads me to the next aspect of feminine energy for for today, (laughs) which is adornment. You know, how do you adorn yourself? And if you're one of those women listening to this, that's like, I'm a tomboy, you know, I wear my hair back or I wear it short, I don't wear lipstick. That's all good with me. You know, that's totally fine. You don't have to wear lipstick or fancy sparkly underwear, although those are very fun too. (laughs) You know, you can adorn your environment. You can adorn the moment. 
you know, everything in our life can be sacred and can be adorned as an act of love. So it could look like how you look and what you wear, but it could also look like your physical space around you. It could look like laughter. Laughter adorns the moment. And how can you use adornment to make everything more sacred? Hmm. Yeah. So just think about that for yourself. Like, do I allow myself to adorn, to adorn myself or my environment or, or the moment, or do I just get stuck in the functional, you know, functional, do this, do that point A to point B, you know, all of those things. That's fine, but it gets a little old after a while and, and we need so much more. So then the next, next aspect, I think this is the eighth aspect is sensuality. Yes. And this can both be the five senses. Like we talked about for the first aspect, but it can also be sexuality. You know, do you know how to turn yourself on or do you expect your partner to do all the turn on? Uh, do you feel just turned on by certain people in certain circumstances or do you feel turned on all the time? I've had, wow, a huge, uh, blossoming, I should say in my sexuality being pregnant. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to feel crabby and not in the mood. And I have felt such high libido. It's been wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I've gone through phases like this in my life at different times where I just feel turned on by everything. And I would say that that's more and more, you know, my norm. I was at a, like at a networking weekend in February and surrounded by all these women. And I'm, you know, I identify as heterosexual and it wasn't necessarily that I was turned on by these women, but there was so much creativity in the room and so many ideas. And we were dancing and having dance breaks and doing all these things that I was just like flipping turned on the whole weekend. And this doesn't mean that if you're in touch with your sexuality, that you're going to act on it. Again, the feminine energy being in touch with their feminine energy does not mean that you take action on these things or that you're out of integrity, although feminine integrity is different than masculine integrity, but it means that you are in touch with life and then you can choose how that expresses and what that looks like for you. You know, we're not just at the beck and call of our desires or our sexuality. We're bringing consciousness to this as well, which is why the integration of masculine and feminine is so important. So, you know, do you allow time for connecting with your erotic nature? Do you have a practice, a erotic practice or a sexual practice? This is not something you can hand off to a potential partner or your partner and just expect them to know how to make this part of yourself work. And believe me, when you're turned on by life, when you see a flower blossoming and you feel like it's arousing or you find everyone that you meet attractive and like so unique and so mm, exciting, uh, there's so much more energy. Who Forget about coffee. Who needs coffee? When you're in touch with your turn on, it's just a whole... Whole another way of being. So the next aspect of the feminine is vision. And it's true that the feminine actually has the vision and the masculine makes it happen for her and with her. So we sometimes might feel like, well, in our society, it's the masculine that has the vision. You know, the man is the breadwinner winner, and the woman cooks and cleans. Again, that's a really antiquated view. But for a while, we thought that the masculine had the vision because they were the ones that we saw really creating things. But that's just because the feminine was suppressed. You know, true feminine has a lot of vision and the masculine helps bring the vision to life. So what dreams do you have for your life? And are you actively weaving your destiny? Or are you just sitting and waiting for for someone to help your life become better. You know, it's, it's up to you. It's obviously up to you to have that vision and then to receive help and support. And so there's a, um, a little story about wolves that my husband told me, which is that in a wolf pack, it's not actually the male wolf. It's not the alpha wolf who decides where the pack is going to camp for the night or what caribou they're going to eat. It's the female wolf. The female wolf communicates with her mate of what caribou she wants him to kill and where she wants to sleep that night. And he makes it happen along with the other wolves in the pack. So you having an eye on what it is that you want, your metaphorical caribou and where you want to live and all of those things is very inspiring to the masculine. If you're just like, oh, I don't really care. I'm fine. What, what can he do with that? There's nothing he can you know, he can't really do anything with that. If he knows what you want, what your longings are and what your vision is, then he feels inspired to help make you happy. And of course, your happiness is not dependent on your partner, but it's really helpful when you're with someone and you know what they want. 
And so that even goes for something small. Like if someone's like, oh, well, what do you want to do? What do you want for food for the, you know, if you're going on a date and just saying, oh, I don't really care. That's so aggravating to the masculine. They're like, please just tell me, you know, he wants to know what you want. He wants to be able to make you happy. Now you don't have to say, pick me up at seven and take me to Thai food, bitch. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be aggressive about it, but you can say, mm, I'm really craving guacamole. Oh, that sounds so good with like salty chips and a margarita or maybe no margarita. Like, oh, that sounds amazing. But you know, I could also really go for Italian. Like pasta sounds really good too. You're giving the person ideas of what you want and then it's so much easier. So that relates to the next aspect of femininity, number 10, which is receptivity and responsiveness. So we talked about being responsive to your environment and your breath and, you know, moving in response to breath or environment or inner desires. But receptivity and responsiveness are really important when it comes to relationships. Like, are you kind of closed off and shut down? Are you thinking about your checklist on a date and if he matches all your criteria? (laughs) Or are you receptive to what's happening in the moment? You know, too many women date someone based on who they are on paper or their resume, so to speak. And they're totally disappointed when he ghosts or never really is that interested in them because they think this was supposed to work. He was supposed to be my person. And then you think about, or I ask them, you know, well, how did you actually feel with that person? They'd be like, oh, I was kind of bored. Or like, I, I, he seemed emotionally unavailable. Well, yeah, you were dating from your head. <laughs> if you're dating from your head and not from your heart or your body, um, it's not going to lead to a lasting partnership. He's not going to feel any energy from you and you're not going to feel attuned and, and, and opening to him. So we have to be receptive to others. Not we have to be, we have the opportunity <laughs> to be receptive to others, but also to our own moods. You know, if, if you're feeling the flow of your emotional range, You might be feeling 10 different things, 20 different things in a few hours or in a day. And you could just not show that or not be influenced by your environment at all. You know, just be like a man of steel. But if you see a beautiful flower and you don't allow yourself to say like, oh, or soften or feel pleasure. Or, you know, if you smell something disgusting and you just you know, pretend it doesn't happen and you're not responsive to that. If you don't be like, ugh, you know, and like move to the other side of the sidewalk, you know, we need to be responsive to our environment, but also to our own moods and our energies and then allowing other people to feel, feel what it's like to be us, feel what it's like to be in this physical body, in this physical experience. We all will respond differently to different things, but if we're not receptive, no one is going to be inspired to give you their deepest gifts because they're going to feel like it's never good enough and they're not going to know how it lands and if it makes a difference for you or not. And that's not very inspiring for relationship. So the 11th aspect of feminine energy and feeling fabulously feminine is devotion and surrender. This one is a toughie for a lot of modern women. They're like surrender. What do you want me to surrender to? I've already been oppressed. I've already had to break through the glass ceiling, like surrender no, thank you. You know, I'm a survivor of trauma. How the hell do you want me to surrender? And so I get it. I'm a survivor of trauma too. And I'm a pretty feisty feminine person. And I, I can see and feel and, and understand why the word surrender feels contrived or, or dangerous. But devotional surrender, surrendering because of the level of devotion that we have to our partner, to the moment, to our inspired ideas and projects, to the divine, that allows us to be taken beyond what we normally would want. And it allows a deep vibrancy and richness to our life and to our relationships. Devotion has changed my life probably more than any of these other principles as of late. Obviously, you know, feminine principle of pleasure in the five senses and longing and emotion were all really important and and continue to be. Um, But being pregnant and nesting more, I've unlocked this deeper level of devotion that I didn't even realize was there. You know, I was still 
thinking of things maybe a little more functional, functionally, you know, even my practices, my feminine practices, it was like, okay, well, I'm doing them and it's helping me with my feminine energy, you know, linear, which is not actually very feminine, linear practices, more masculine. Um, I should say I wasn't necessarily practicing in a linear way, but this idea of like, I do something in order to get something is very masculine. Whereas devotion is just, you know, I do something because I love it. I do something because it's meaningful to me. I do something because I care. So what are you devoted to? What is it in your life that you're devoted to? What practices, what people, what experiences? Uh, this is something that I go over a lot in our Fabulously Feminine course, a daily devotional practice is so important. So only have two more, two more aspects in our Fabulously Feminine exploration. And the twelfth uh, one, the second to last one is serendipity. You could also call this intuition or flow. And this is about trust. How much do you trust the synchronicity of our life, of your life? You know, do you plan your days by schedules or by flow, or maybe a little bit of both? You know, do you make decisions using like a pro con list or rational thought or through gut knowing we have to be in touch, I believe with our gut knowing with our intuition, because it's always a good indicator of what is going to open us or close us. Now, sometimes what opens us or closes us is based on past conditioning or trauma. And so we, we need to gently and lovingly open to trusting in a deeper way or through working through that trauma. But a lot of times women, they see the red flags. They know what's going on. They feel a little inkling like, you know what, maybe I should go a different route to work this, this time. Or you know what, I know I'm not really eating XYZ on my diet, but this and this really feels good. Well, sometimes what feels good for you, this gut knowing about whether you turn right or left or what you eat for lunch is much more satisfying and much more in tuned and aligned with what you really need than following a, a rigorous schedule or a rigorous plan. Serendipity, intuition, and flow are one of my favorite aspects of feminine energy because it makes my life so much more fun. And honestly, I get so much more done being in this state versus being in a state of just checking off my to-do list, which is, which is a much more masculine activity. They've actually done studies that checking off a list and getting things done is something that boosts testosterone, not estrogen or oxytocin. All right. So the last characteristic or the last aspect is play and amusement. So how much fun are you willing to let yourself have? You know, do you let yourself be silly? <laughs> the other week, my husband was like, we were just talking mid conversation. He just says, how would a hippo dance right now? And I went along with that. I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> so I did this like so silly, cheesy dance. And it's just an inside joke for us now. How would a hippo dance? You know, he brought some play and amusement. He invited me into play and amusement in that moment. And it was just an act of love for both of us. It was an act of love that I danced like a hippo. It was an act of love that he, you know, um, teased me or invited me to go there. And it helped us let go of our worries. We weren't fighting or anything, but I, I don't even remember what we were talking about. But it was so much more memorable than obviously what we were talking about. So if you can let go of your worries and find the amusement, that will also really put you in touch with your feminine energy. So I'm curious as you've heard all of those, you know, feel free to take a deep breath and come back to your pleasure and back to your body. Hmm. <laughs> back to the five senses and your emotions and your longing. <sighs> when you were, when you were listening to that, uh, I wonder if you were judging yourself, you know, you might've been, it's very common. If we're like listening, we want to get it right. Uh, but I invite you to let that go because you're enough. Of course, I invite you to go deeper. That's why I do what I do and why I get so much joy and satisfaction and just exquisite ecstasy from seeing a woman light up and, and find her feminine energy. So that's important. But at the same time, try not to be judging yourself or making yourself wrong or criticizing that you don't have all of these down pat. You know, this is an expiration, but it's a lot more fun and a lot more effective and a lot um, more embodied if you can do that with the support of other women, you know, with the support of a mentor like me or through connecting through a community of women like the groups that I lead. And the feminine actually does grow through connection. Like I talked about, one of the facets is creativity and collaboration. 
And that is where we really find some feminine energy and life force. And the masculine grows through challenge. So you don't have to do this alone. You can explore these 13 facets of the feminine with me and through our Fabulously Feminine program or our Queens of Pleasure program and really get that sense of yummy, juicy, nourishing connection that's so important for the feminine. And the feminine is really, I believe, a magnet for abundance. We used to think, oh, it's a man's world and the only way to win is to work harder. You know, competition and scarcity and pushing is all part of this fixed or closed system, whereas the feminine way is creating and growth and collaboration and attunement and flow. And uh, masculine energy feels like win-lose to me and feminine energy feels like win-win. You know, you don't have to sacrifice your feminine essence or your radiance or your joy or take from others in order to get what you want. And the feminine way of manifesting is so much easier and faster than the linear mind would believe or than the patriarchy would tell us because we're using all of these different tools and aspects instead of just pushing harder. And it's been pretty amazing what women can create. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that, but I'll just give you some examples. You know, a woman that I've been working with told me she just received a $6,000 check in the mail from the treasury department from her taxes two years prior after she was tapping into her feminine sensuality with my program. And other women that I've worked with, you know, one of them closed on a house that would have been way out of her range, but she found um, a network of people between her realtor and a mortgage broker, you know, and a particular uh, seller of the house that she got her dream home in a much easier way and a much, you know, in in a totally, in a way that she never even dreamed would be possible. Other clients that I've had were like, yeah, you know what? I got a $10,000 bonus from my boss. Like he pulled me aside and said that he has noticed that I'm a lot more confident and that he hasn't gotten me a bonus in a long time. And so he gave me a $10,000 bonus and said, I've been doing a great job. And she's like, literally all that I've done is shift into my feminine energy in the last six weeks. But it was different because he could actually see her performance he could see her and, and notice her more. I'm not talking about it in a sexual way. I'm talking about her actually owning her worth. And so many times as women, we think, well, if I just put my head down, then I'll be recognized. And it does not work that way. We need to be confident and we need to be in our sense of power and our feminine power. And so she got recognized in that way, which was so beautiful. And then another one of my clients got a job offer that was 65% higher than her current salary with a more prestigious firm, which is pretty amazing after she learned how to connect more fully to her heart from the work that we did together. And, And yet another one of my clients now has a really cool book deal with a powerful publisher. And she's been trying to get this together for three years and she started working with me and it was done in a matter of months. And then another one of my clients has tripled her business within a year because she's found her inner queen, you know, this, this inner queen part of her that's helping her business to thrive. And this is not about reciting affirmations ad nauseum or putting your nose to the grindstone. I know we'd like to believe like, I just have to say some affirmations and my whole life will change. To me, it's a lot faster and more sustainable. And for the women I work with, when you combine the mindset work like affirmations with embodiment and pleasure practices and feminine energy, these transformations I just told you about happen within weeks instead of having to happen over years or things that were blocked, like the book deal for years, all of a sudden happened because we used a different approach. And if it was just as simple as receiving affirmations, receiving them, or sorry, reciting them, then we would be you know, we'd all be millionaires and in a, in a totally different place in our world. So we need more than affirmations. We need more than just the cognitive aspect of transformation. We need the feminine path. And then what about, you know, love and romance? We've been talking about that, but I want to talk about that a little bit more. You know, this idea of like dating is a numbers game and you have to put yourself out there and you should be on all the apps. Like, aren't you exhausted by that by now? (laughs) I know a lot of women are. Most women that I talk to and work with are. They realize at some point, like this just isn't working to be on all the apps or to be pushing themselves so hard. They want to use their feminine energy to create a great love. You think about Cleopatra or other, you know, amazing feminine, powerful women, they enchant the world around them. You know, wars have been started because of the feminine. So I'm not necessarily advocating for war, but I am advocating for you being an enchantress, you know, someone who can enchant the world around you and who can attract all that you need with your own feminine magnetism. It doesn't have to be done so hard and it doesn't have to be so linear. It can be with a light touch. Now, this is really about divine feminine. 
you know, divine feminine energy creates with the lightest touch. It uses energy to create reality instead of working so hard in a linear way. You know, you have that divine feminine, just like every woman has the potential to have and, and does have, but it just might be covered with layers of shame or conditioning. So you express and represent all these aspects of the feminine, all these different archetypes, and every woman who's ever walked this earth, you have that power. And you can create that power through having your own unique personal avatar. So it's kind of like an archetype, although archetypes have typically like, you know, 12, at least according to Jung, um, 12 different like archetypes. But most of those, you know, we're a mix of those. I would never say, well, you can only be the saint. Or you can only be the huntress, you know, that's, that's pretty boring. That's not just, that's just not true of who we are and what we want to create. So I help my clients find their own personal avatar, their unique mix of energies that feels authentic to them, and yet is birthing a whole new version of them. And that personal avatar changes as the seasons change, as the needs of your life change, and you can use that to have more pleasure or more abundance or more romance. But creating your own personal unique avatar is just such a fun part of the work that we do together in Fabulously Feminine. And we also play with archetypes and avatars a bit in Queens of Pleasure as well. And speaking of playing with energies, you know, feminine energy is creative. As I said, feminine energy is, is really all about creating without any effort. You know, just powerful receiving. This powerful receiving is what helps you create versus the old school way of doing it. And I think I was mentioning before, you know, I've had clients who wrote children's books. I've had clients who wrote and created films, the clients who became voiceover actresses, even though they weren't actresses before. Um, I've had clients who started their own nonprofits to empower young girls. This is all just because their feminine energy was radiating outward and creating magical opportunities to be heard and seen. So even if you're not sure what you want to create, but you just know that you want to create more, then absolutely tapping into your feminine energy will help with that. So, you know, just to wrap up, it's, it's so juicy and yummy and powerful and motivating this time that we live in because everything is shifting. You know, it's no longer about putting your nose to the grindstone or working hard or keeping your head down. It's really about living your desires, being a natural magnet for abundance, being the enchantress of your life, you know, being a powerhouse of creativity. And this isn't selfish. This is sacred. This is the most loving thing you can do for yourself and your family and your friends and your colleagues and your partner or your potential partner, because this old way of manifesting just doesn't work as well anymore. And our planet and our bodies and our relationships are, are suffering. So this feminine energy and your dreams and your capacity, both your masculine and feminine, this, this part of you that, that is yearning to be integrated, it's needed now more than ever to shift humanity and to raise human consciousness. So I'm curious if you can feel the divine feminine calling you. I'm imagining that she is calling you or has been calling you or else you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So it's been such a joy to share these these tidbits with you. This is just, you know, the surface of all that's possible. Again, there's only so much you can experience or learn just by listening. That's why it's important to have practices and a mentor and a community that help you find your own unique feminine energy and help you to blossom in that energy and create the life that you want to attract a great partner, to have more abundance, to feel that you are the enchantress of your life, creating what you want. And I've trained tens of thousands of women and really closely mentored hundreds of of clients. So I'm so grateful for you for listening and tuning in and for being committed to embodying the wisdom that I've shared today and embracing your feminine journey. So of course, if you would like to learn more, then I invite you to reach out. You can go to violetlang.com forward slash FF. It's for fabulously feminine, but it's easier if you just think FF, violetlang.com forward slash FF. And that's where you can learn all about my program, Fabulously Feminine, and all about how to attract a high quality partner, have more abundance, enchant the world, and tap into your creative gifts using your feminine energy. So go to violetlang.com forward slash FF, and I will see you on the other side. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love, because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.